This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by Fingertech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out Fingertech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. Fingertech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. Havoc Studios in Norwalk, Connecticut, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind the bots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. And today on the podcast, our interview with BattleBots co-founder Greg Munson. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have five news items for you today. First up, catch live robot combat this Saturday at events in Texas and Connecticut. In Texas, the Houston area Combat Robotics Group is fighting fairy weights, ant weights, and beetle weights outside the Electronic Parts Outlet in Houston. And in Connecticut, catch the four of us this Saturday at Norwalk Havoc, where a staggering, nearly incomprehensibly large field of robots from across the globe will fight for God knows how long absolutely past midnight uh, on the live stream. You know, we do have 118 robots from across the U.S., Mexico, Canada, and Scotland fighting in a special one-day tournament in hopes of winning a golden dumpster and an invitation to the Grand Championship in December. Action kicks off live at 10 a.m. on Saturday in Norwalk and live stream over YouTube. want to take a quick pause here. Biggest field ever. Thoughts on this weekend's competition. I'm stoked. I know you're stoked. Uh, going into this one, your thoughts. Buy stock in Red Bull and Five Hour Energies, um, like right now, because those stock prices are about to go up just based on my purchases on Thursday night alone. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm excited. It's huge. It's a huge deal. I, I'm pursuing. Yeah, I'm, I'm personally really excited about the return of Calvin Eba and Mixtape and also the East Coast debut of Sucker Punch, um, which is Calvin Eba's Lynx killer. Lynx, of course, is arguably the most dominant Beetleweight in North America, and he built Sucker Punch specifically to defeat Lynx, which is a pretty cool kind of version two iteration. Um, so yeah, hopefully we see some great performance out of both of his bots. There's a full lineup, and I know there's a lot of new bots that are making the trip out to Norwalk, so I'm just super excited to get around and walk around the pits on Friday night and first thing Saturday morning to see, you know, honestly see things that I've never seen before. And a special shout-out to Tom Farkas. I know he is coming back with First Drink of the Day, which had a 
I would say surprisingly deep uh, run in the May event. Yeah. Um, I think, I think he'd be the first to say he, he was surprised. Um, but I know that he has done a lot to improve the bot over the last several months. So I'm really excited to see, you know, what, what he's coming with. Um, it's, I just think it's so cool when someone has, you know, been in the stands watching for so long and now comes and, and makes it happen and brings a bot. Everyone should do it. I agree. One of the things I'm most excited about for this event, as always, is the new stuff that's going to show up. I mean, with the field this big, we're bound to get that uh, Cinderella story of somebody bringing something completely weird and off the wall and having an amazing, you know, Norwalk Havoc moment. And uh, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, I think back to like a couple events ago, I don't know if it was May, maybe it was uh, a different one, but I forget his name. His name was Miles and he brought that bot Komodo and we didn't know anything about it ahead of time, and it ended up. Did it win? Did it get second place? My, my uh, brain gets fuzzy sometimes, but you know, we may think we know what to expect going into the event, but with all these new bots and all of these um, new builders or new build or existing builders bringing new bots, I mean, it's it's just so hard to to go in with any type of uh, preconceived notion, which is like one of my favorite things about Havoc. Like, yes. Often a lot of BattleBots winners or BattleBots competitors will make it to the end, but that's not a guarantee that they're going to win. And um, I just, it's, it's always what really gets me excited about Norwalk is you really don't know what's going to happen. You will know it's going to be a long night, <laughs> but what happens during that night is often a mystery. Well said. On over to Northern California, where we got some surprise news this week from the King of Kinetic Energy. Ray Billings will not compete on Season 7 of BattleBots as he recovers from a serious hand injury. Ray's had three surgeries on his hand so far and will likely need one more before he's able to compete again. Ray writes, quote, The problem for me is scheduling for filming this year's BattleBots season. Unfortunately, there weren't a lot of options for when they could film and when I could get the surgery done. And for right now, I have to focus on healing and not risk further injuries by trying to push it. On behalf of all of us here at Ray, we hope you have a successful surgery and a speedy recovery. On number two, Las Vegas, where tickets officially went on sale for season seven of BattleBots. BattleBots will film in Las Vegas October 18th through October 30th, with tickets being sold this year through Ticketmaster. There will again be the option to buy a general admission or VIP ticket, with prices ranging from between $42 and $92 each based on which ticket you purchase and whether you're going to the taping on a weekday or the weekend. Chris, Lindsay, and I will be at the taping ourselves, so let us know if you're planning on going. Maybe we'll set up a very cool podcast <laughs> fan dinner at some point in Vegas. Uh, TBD on that. Uh, and I think maybe we'll have new stickers to hand out, so come find one of us. Stickers? Maybe more? I don't know. Um, on over to the internet where the teams behind Glitch, Hijinks, Mad Catter, Overhaul, Ribot, and Tombstone are auctioning off team memorabilia and battle damaged parts on eBay. The coolest auction by far this week and possibly this entire year is from Ray Billings and Tombstone. He plans to auction a battle damaged weapon blade, something that he admits never ever comes up for sale. Watch for the link on Tombstone's Facebook page. 
And finally, let's head to Silicon Valley where Malice Captain Bunny Sariel again published a detailed breakdown of how much her team spent getting their robot into the battle box last season. Her team spent a grand total of $80,535.63. That's slightly better than their rookie season where the team spent $87,000. Bunny said she could have saved $40,000 last season if she hadn't developed a brand new robot called Long Malice. She was forced to scrap Long Malice and its frames and parts due to the last-minute addition of the shelf. After her team decided, they'd probably end up losing fights because the shelf is unfavorable to horizontal spinners. Despite that, Malice ended the 2021 season with a 2-4 record. And that's it for this week's news. Now, before we get into this week's interview with Greg, which is incredible, he breaks so much news right at the top of the interview. It's it's amazing. Um, I did want to take a moment to quickly reflect on the finale of BattleBots Champions, where, da-da-da-da, I called it, (laughs) Endgame took home the Golden Bolt. BattleBots also gave out awards to their favorite bots and captains, with the Rookie of the Year award being split between Glitch and Riptide, the Most Destructive Robot award going to Hypershock, the Grant Imahara Best Design Award going to Aaron Hill and Blip, and the Founders Award going to Jameson Go from Sawblaze. I want to take a pause here. Your thoughts on the finale and on this year's award recipients. I love that. Uh, I love that Glitch got Rookie of the Year um, because that's exactly what they were. And I think that they'll have potentially even another uh, trophy to hoist over their heads in you know some of the upcoming seasons, for sure. As for me, I am so proud of uh hypershock for getting most destructive um i never would have expected that and like they're not the bot you think of when you think of that causes the most destruction but oh my goodness their fights this year like (laughs) it's absurd the amount of just sheer and utter domination and destruction they were able to dish out um i'm glad they got it i'm glad i hope they collect what is this now three bolts for the hypershock team uh, I hope they at least get one nut to put on those bolts at some point. I have to say, um, when you know Hypershock was in the episode and ended up having to fight Spoiler Alert Witch Doctor, it made for I think one of my favorite moments of the season. Um, that was an incredible match between them. Um, it kind of went you know both ways, I would say, until Hypershock just literally could not move anymore. Um, And I thought, you know, at the end, uh, I was saying this to Chris the whole episode that like Will is such an ambassador for the sport and does such a good job of like ramping up other bots and other teams and getting you excited, not just for Hypershock, but for whoever, you know, Hypershock is going to face. Um, and I thought that, you know, his, um, I'd say like concession speech at the end when he conceded to witch doctor and congratulated them, like it was just so classy. And, um, I, I thought it was one of my favorite moments and, and witch doctor like really, really put it all out there for, for that whole episode. And the, uh, the Grant Imahara Award going to Aaron Hill and Blip just feels so right. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. There's nobody else that should have gone to. That guy is like exemplifying everything awesome in this sport right now. He's like focusing on unconventional designs and making amazing bots that obviously succeed in the arena. So it's awesome. 
After the break, our interview with BattleBots co-founder Greg Munson. This week on the podcast, we have a very special returning guest, BattleBots co-creator Greg Munson. Tickets for BattleBots Season 7 went on sale to the general public this week. If you can make it out, it's an incredible live experience. Filming will take place October 18th through the 30th in Las Vegas, Nevada. We're catching up with Greg to get an early preview of the season ahead and hear about planned changes to the competition that we could be seeing this year. So welcome back to the show, Greg. Hey, thanks for having me back, guys. Really fun to be here, as always. Yeah, Greg, let's uh, let's start with the good news. I guess at the top, tickets are on sale, and they're selling like crazy. Can you, uh, can you talk to the fans directly and uh, tell them exactly why they should be buying tickets this week? Yeah, so lots of good news to report on the BattleBots front, and all of this informs exactly why you should buy those tickets that are on sale now at BattleBots.com tickets to come see the show actually live, which is such a more incredible experience than it even is on TV. You really feel it. You smell it. You Like when, when a Robot X smashes into Robot Y, you feel that in your bones, which, which, you don't really, which doesn't translate so well on television. So if you can come, I'd recommend it highly. Um, on the good news front, we, were, we are now greenlit on Discovery for Season 7 for 54 hours of BattleBot robot combat bliss. So last season was 40 hours. This season's 54 hours. Yeah. So that's crazy. And so that amount of of volume means a couple of things that are really cool. Uh, What it first means is there'll be an extended season, of course. It also means that in the fight card rounds, all the bots are going to get four fights. Equally. So gone is this world where ah, some get two, some get three, and the math doesn't quite work out. Everyone's going to get four. And what that enables is that the whole preseason, if you will, um, leading up to the world championship, we can have a ton of conversations about the rankings and who's making their way into the 32. Oh, no, but they just lost. So maybe they're now back out. Um, it could even inform some graphics that happen along the way. Some social media posts where we really want to get fans engaged on who they think are the top 32. Um, all of those kinds of conversations can now start happening when we have, you know, everyone gets an equal footing in the preseason. Four fights, build your record. If you do kick ass, you win loss records, great. Strength of set schedule is great. You get into that top 32 and fight for the giant nut. So that's happening. Um, the tournament shows will now be not two hours long, but two and a half hours long. Wow. So we're planning on doing a really cool pre, you know, we want to get to the fights quickly in the tournament rounds, but there can be um, some fun post-game and pre-game stuff going on with Chris, not only Chris and Kenny, but maybe the competitors can join Chris and Kenny in the broadcast booth, so to speak, and talk about the fight that they had and how that's going to affect them going into the round of 16, let's say. Or maybe we have a certain competitors back to give their expert opinions on how they thought Robot, you know, X, Y, and Z did in the tournament and why, why they think they're going to go deep. Um, so a lot more of that sort of Super Bowl-esque uh, type of coverage once we get into the tournament rounds. Speaking of Super Bowl, we've decided to start naming the world champion and the golden bolt with Roman numerals. So. Help me out here. So everyone, 
we should we we can't be saying the 2022 season anymore because the show's not going to air until 2023. And this is this is you know because we're shooting it so late in the year, the show winds up on a different year. So what we're going to start saying is it's now World Championship Seven and BattleBots Champions Two. So and that should be the nomenclature we use from here on out. Um, we're not going to be putting any of those fights in those tournament rounds onto YouTube. Uh, tons of people hated that. And we hated it too. Um, so with the extra two and a half hours for those tournament rounds, um, all the fights are going to make it to TV. So that's great news. Um, probably the best news is this extended hours finally on the cable TV side allows us to give the builders a very decent, healthy build stipend slash um, appearance fee. So that's great. You know, in the ABC days, we could give the builders an appearance fee. In the Comedy Central days, we could do it. But when we moved to cable, the budgets didn't, uh, couldn't support it. But now we can with the extended hour uh, order. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, so lots of good stuff happening with the new season. And it should just be a whirlwind of, of just bashing and smashing and awesome robot fighting content. That is absolutely incredible and so much good news like right there at the top. I love it. Um, so yeah, like we're, we're breaking a ton of news here. So like 54 hours, is that just for the main show or does that also include the, the Golden Bolt tournament or is that separate? No, that'll include the Golden Bolt. So there'll be six uh, episodes, two hours each of Golden Bolt, just like there were last season. Uh, and then whatever the math is, the rest of it will be... Um, World Championship and fight cards. Amazing. That's so amazing. Lots and lots of BattleBots. Right. And I'm sure Discovery is going to break it into two segments again. So sometime in around, around January, we hope the premiere of the World Championship will begin and, and probably extend for four months, something like that. And then in the summer, uh, we'll get Golden Bolt um, 2 and see that sort of Champions of Champions uh, tournament happen again. That that's really incredible. I mean, I, I know that with the merger, there were questions about, you know, how much investment was going to go into BattleBots. I mean, BattleBots is a hugely engaging show for the Discovery Channel. And I know that you're like um, broadcasting the the show on um, on other um, channels on, on that network, like worked out really well. You know, can you talk about like their decision to to really increase their investment? Like, was it based solely off of really good numbers from last season, fan engagement? I mean, like to go from 40 to 54 seems like a pretty big jump. Pretty big jump. Yeah. So um, the good news and bad news about the merger was, I mean, the bad news was, is there was sort of a fog of war surrounding Discovery and Warner as, as it would happen with any giant merger like that, where they're, they're busy, you know, figuring out how the new company is structured and organized and, and as I've seen, as you've all probably seen in the press, lots of big name movies and TV shows got canceled. Um, meanwhile, we're sitting here trying to get our green light so we could shoot. Hopefully, we're, we were hoping to shoot like in our normal August time frame. So we have plenty of time to edit the show and get it ready for January uh, airtime. But we could it just we kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, we got the green light, you know, just recently. And we've been just pedal to the metal go 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 to get things all ready for october because the time frame is a massive crunch obviously for the bot builders and for production as well it's insane but we'll pull it off and it should be a fantastic season um obviously the good news is they said yes to us they extended the um amount of hours 
And when they do extend the amount of hours that 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 enabled the budget to have finally enough money to give to the builders, there were definitely some sacrifices that had to be made in other areas, but we'll deal with it. And but the builders are getting money, so that's fantastic. Um, and they're also going to put us on TBS, which they've been experimenting with. So we hope they continue to do that because that demo is a little younger than the demo on Discovery. So with the two demos together, we kind of fill in all the blanks needed to build the audience in a bigger way. And 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 coming off of hopefully we stay on that um, Thursday night after wrestling because obviously there's a lot of you know, sort of crossover between the wrestling audience and the BattleBots audience. So that's great. So we hope that um, continues and that winds up being successful because that'll just grow the audience and ultimately help everybody, help help the show, help the builders with their sponsorship exposure um, and all of that. Um, yeah, so that's great. That's awesome. One last question. Um, and, and before I ask you about Tombstone, um, so like on the question of builder pay, I know that's been a big topic. You know, um, we have Bunny Sariel, you know, saying that she's spent $80,000, you know, like on her build last year. We've heard anecdotally that other builders have spent 100000 I mean, obviously those are outliers, but, you know, it's a very expensive sport and it's really cool that that builds kind of that the builder pay like sharing is happening this season is there more that you can say about that how it's going to be structured you know like basically what should fans know about about builders getting paid this season builders get a very decent build stipend and it's structured so that you um if you when you come and you pass safety you get a a chunk of it and then you're, you're guaranteed those four fights so after you do those four fights you get you wind up getting the full build stipend after you've completed those four fights what we don't want to happen, of course, is someone to come with a robot and it doesn't work and they can't fight at all. And suddenly the that budget has been reduced by the build stipend and they couldn't even perform. So it is it's we, we're calling it sort of a build stipend slash appearance fee, but it's a good, healthy number, uh, better than it ever was even on ABC. And uh, I think the builders are happy. And one other thing that I didn't mention is there's also um, discovery. It has always been more open to sponsors than most other networks in terms of letting the, bon- the, the builders showcase their sponsors. And this season, they're even allowing us to go further with this new tranche of sponsor that it's going to probably take a while to build up. And it may you know, have little baby steps in this upcoming season, but hopefully get bigger and bigger in future seasons. But it's a sponsorship area that's exclusive for the bot builders. So Think of, I'll give you an example. Think of like the clock and how the clock is like an F1 sponsored by Rolex. Um, We could have our clock sponsored by uh, a company. And as long as Discovery approves it, um, that money that's collected for the clock sponsorship through the entirety of the season goes directly to the builders and is shared amongst all the builders who are in that season. So we've got a task force going with some of the bot builders from various teams and our team. And they're out there looking right now for people to sponsor various chunks of real estate on the show so that money can be generated and builders can uh, make that uh, extra cash. So we hope that really, really grows in future seasons. That could be super cool because you can imagine how much Rolex pays for the clock in F1. We're not there yet, but, you know, maybe one day. Yeah, absolutely. Um I, uh, so like, so, uh, Chris, Lindsay, and I, we have joined teams. So we're going to be going to BattleBots as part of team rosters this season. Excellent. 
will come will come to light. Yeah. Um, and so like we um we are so excited about the new robots that are coming. Like the roster is very interesting. There's some really, really cool bots that the selection committee has has selected. Obviously, that's not public yet. Um, however, there are a couple teams that have already come out and said that they are not coming. I would say like the biggest name this week, just absolutely surprising and shocking, is Ray Billings and Tombstone. You know, like for so many fans, like BattleBots is synonymous with Tombstone. Like Tombstone is on the the banners, they're on the ads, they're <laughs> I would assume like probably the best selling T-shirt. They're everywhere. Huge hex bug, you know what I mean? Um, Ray put out this statement saying it's a medical reason, of course, and we hope that he gets better soon. But I'd love to get your thoughts on you know um, the <laughs> championship seven uh, happening without Tombstone. Like it's a pretty big shoes to fill. And um, yeah, your 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 thoughts on this? Yeah, it's like the saddest phone call of my life because um, Ray and I were going back and forth for weeks while we were waiting for when these dates would actually land. And in the fog of war of the merger, we kept waiting. Is it going to happen here? And Ray gave me all these windows. Okay, I can't do it here because the surgery's here and then the physical therapy's there. So and I'm, I'm informing production. They're informing discovery. Um, and unfortunately, it just kept going and going and it pushed too far into Ray's recovery period. And he he couldn't do it. And and that was like so sad because it was like, oh, shit. Um, you know, I, I hope Ray could visit. And when we have like those Super Bowl moments of post-game feedback between Chris and Kenny and maybe a bot builder or three or four, Ray's part of that. You know, Ray comes down and is an expert commentator on some stuff because that obviously doesn't involve using your hand to fix a robot in a, in a frantic fury. Um, you know, maybe there's a world, world where Ray can somehow get into the final Golden Bolt final. Right. Because remember, the Golden Bolt will always be open to former giant nut winners. So there's an open door for Ray for that. There's an open door for Bite Force for that. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I mean, because that's not like the full gamut of fights is insane, as everyone knows. And if I had a finger that um, needed physical therapy and just had a major surgery, that wouldn't be a no go for sure. But maybe in a world of three fights, there's a way to pull it off. So that's that's a to be determined. Um, but we're constantly going uh, back and forth, chatting with Ray to see, you know, how is the finger's health, how everything's going to go, and we'll see what happens. But, I mean, it's a huge loss to the sport for this year. But, like you said, lots of other cool robots coming aboard, and there'll always be, uh, you know, room for Ray in future seasons. So let's hope this is just a temporary pause in his participation, and he comes back stronger than ever in 2023. Awesome. All right. I'm going to turn it over to Chris, who uh, is going to start us off with uh, about a hundred or so fan questions. <laughs> yeah. So we do have a ton of fan questions coming in from uh, all sorts of places, uh, Facebook, Discord, you know, the, the whole lot. Uh, so feel free, Greg, if you want to rapid fire an answer or if you want to drill down into something, we can do that. But okay. with, uh, you know, the new season of BattleBots just announced, we have a ton of questions, obviously, from all uh uh, builders and fans alike our first set is from alexander archer uh who you know seemed to really kind of be in the vein of of what was on the, the minds of most of our listeners and his first question was how many bots have officially been accepted into the 2022 season 50 how many of them are international teams and from which countries uh should we expect to see 
um, you know, uh, some of these teams come from? And are you forecasting any problems regarding, uh, you know, NIE visas at this time? Thankfully, the COVID travel situations have massively um, diminished. So I think we'll get everyone in the country this time, no problem at all. I mean, there's still the problem with China. Uh, that's probably won't happen for a while still. But who we've got is we've got some bots from the UK. We've got some bots from Brazil. We've got some bots from Australia. Wink, wink, wink. We've got a bot from New Zealand. Duh. <laughs> we've got uh, some bots from Canada. We got a bot, a really cool bot from the Netherlands. Um, and that's it for the countries this year. So it's one, two. I'm counting them on my sheet. Three, four, five, six. Seven, eight. Is it eight? I think it's eight international. I think it's more than that. Yeah, no, it's eight internationals, I believe. And there's some internationals coming back who uh, we've seen in past seasons who I think fans will be super stoked that they're uh, finally able to return to the United States and BattleBots and compete in the heavyweight class. So some great returns that people will be really happy about. We certainly dropped a lot of ambiguous references there. I'm sure that the people that are really kind of tuned into the sport probably know who you're talking about. But Alex goes on to ask. Actually, sorry, there's 10. There's 10. I recounted there's 10. So sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Alex goes on to ask, you know, are there any bots in particular that you're willing to reveal at this point that have been accepted? Well, listen, if I said Australia, who do you who comes to mind first? Well, naturally, it's McDundee. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's a certain a robot with a um, alligator a motif that uh, has a self-writing arm that looks like a hand holding a knife. That uh, that's coming back this season. Yeah, hey, I, I could put a super. I could put a, a self-writing arm on my Subaru Outback, and we uh, we've we've certainly uh, we've certainly like created a, a new mystery around who's <laughs> coming from Australia. Yep, yep. But I think fans know who I'm talking about. I think we all do. Yes. Um, can you give Alex an idea of how many of these new accepted bots are, are actually newcomers? Yeah, I was just, let me count that. Um, I should have this at the ready, but it's just got so much on my head. So there's one, two, three, four. Uh, you can edit this down later. Five, six, seven, oh, seven's cool. Eight, nine, eight or nine. Uh, yeah, nine. Nine newcomers, it looks like. I don't suppose you want to screen share the... Uh, <laughs> The, the spreadsheet that you're looking at. All will, all will be revealed shortly. <laughs> uh, Alex wanted to know, is Jenny uh, Taft going to be returning as a pit reporter this season? Or is she uh, you know, still out? I know she just had a baby. Just had a baby, still knee deep in the college football world that unfortunately makes her unavailable for BattleBots. If she's unable to return, is there going to be a new pit reporter that we might see in the upcoming season? Uh, fortunately, no. That is a high, very high um, dollar. That's a That's a line item in the budget that's not cheap um that has been sacrificed to put other dollars elsewhere all right we're about one third of the way into alexander archer's questions okay <laughs> uh his next question is will there be more segments involving the pits this season than last season where we get to interview teams as they're working on their bots really hope so that is something we've always 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 wanted to do and you can see in the final golden bolt um uh, episodes we did more of that and we all love that and and with covid restrictions it becomes difficult to do it i mean a lot, a lot of times aaron can't go back there i can't go back there pete even can't go back there 
Chris and Kenny certainly can't because they're in SAG-AFTRA and those are the most strictest rules. Uh, we're hoping to find a way to do it. Um, we're hoping to utilize um, Pete back there much more for some really cool online content this season. Uh, so there'll be lots of hopefully, you know, the, the idea is to have lots of cool bot whisperer content online. Um, so the answer is yes. Uh, just a, a thought here. How about a, uh, a robotic uh, pit reporter <laughs> that, that's more or less COVID proof? Yes, Y2K2 can cruise around back there. And... Right. It's got a, uh, you know, a, a pump dispenser of sanitizer on the front of them, too. So <laughs> it's, it's, it just foams itself up every five minutes. Alex uh, wanted to also know, uh, will the 2022 season follow the same competition structure as the last two seasons with bots getting three fights? I know that you touched a little bit on this. Every bot's going to get four fights. But as far as the actual structure of the go a show goes, uh, are there any other changes that we should see uh, coming up in the new season? Uh, so, yeah, everyone's got the same structure, <clears throat> except it's four guaranteed fights now. So everyone will know the standings as we go along the way. So much more informed decisions can be made of who gets into the top 32. You know, the fans will be able to put their heads into the minds of the so-called selection committee and really start having online conversations about who they think should be, um, who should get the nod to the top 32, because the data will be there much more reliably this season. Uh, in terms of BattleBots champions, the only change there is the we don't have the time to shoot the final uh, gatekeeper rounds, you know, the so-called bounty winner rounds. So this year, they're just going to be tournaments. Uh, and then the winners of those tournaments don't have to face a legendary bot or a bounty winner. They just go, they're, they're in to the Golden Bowl Championship. That's the only change. Are there going to be any play-in fights this time, or have they been scrapped? No, that's to be determined. You know, the reason why the play-in fights happen, because obviously someone's records are so close that we can't decide. So if that happens again this season, there may be a plan. There's, that's always an option. I think that we uh, already touched on this, but Alex wanted to know, officially, will BattleBots champions return for the 2022 season? Yes, it will. 12 uh, hours, six episodes. Will the COVID-19 safety precautions be eased for the 2022 season, uh, such as removing the BattleBox divider between teams? To be determined. So we're working with the unions right now to, to figure all that stuff out, and uh, we'll ease it up as much as they'll let us. Good news is the audience probably doesn't have to wear masks this season, um, but there is a vaccination requirement from the TV unions that requires ticket by purchasers to be vaccinated. Duly noted. Um, Alex wants to know some details about the battle box for the upcoming season. Are all the hazards, such as the pulverizers and kill saws, gone? Are the out of the arena zones still by the battle box entrances, or have they been moved uh, to the other side of the battle box? All the uh, arena hazards are still there. Pulverizers still there. They're still under the control of the teams. Kill saws are still there. They still come up in the last minute. Um, the shelf is still there for this season. I uh, don't know about its fate for next season, but it is here for this second season. It's its second season. Um, the out of the arena zones by the doors. Um, Trey and his crew on the arena team have been talking about something to do there, but that hasn't been determined yet. And so we'll have to see what happens. And obviously, when they come up with something, it'll be sent to the bot builders for um, input and ratification. Yeah, I I had a the, the same question in that same vein from uh, from Norwalk uh, competitor Brendan Steele, who's also one of my favorite uh, human beings on the planet, aka Business Cat, who just wanted to know, 
Will the shelf be gone this season? But it sounds like the shelf is at least here for this upcoming season. Shelf is getting one more season. And then could it potentially be shelved? Well, that, that is to be determined. So we'll see the fate of the shelf. You know, I think with the, with the, with the builders having more, now knowing what it is and um, knowing its dimensions and all of that kind of stuff, maybe there's some clever ways they can implement it better this season. So let's see what happens. Um, if it's a total disaster, we'll just get rid of it. <laughs> you heard it here, Brendan. Uh, it's going to turn into a 180 square foot uh, pit the next season. But Yes, it'll go basically, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> with, with bouncy balls. <laughs> now we're talking. Yeah. All right. I got a question here from Alexander Richmond um, and about a million other listeners. Uh, who have a question about design diversity. How will the rules, box, or other tournament conditions be tweaked to encourage design diversity this season, i.e., how are four-wheel drive vertical spinners and egg beaters being dealt with? Um, you know, that's always part of the selection process. So we select, we try to select a diverse crowd. Of course, so many of them are four-wheel verts, and a lot of those are really cool ones, so we do want them in the show. Um so they get into the show, but that, we always look out for the next coolest lifter or, or grabber um, or crusher and try to make uh, as even even of a playing field as we can. There's still more verts than we, you know, than, than more other types of bots. That seems to be the way it's going with a lot of, of the sport generally. Rules. Um, there's some cool rules. I, that was part of the good news, too. I, I forgot to mention that in the upfront is um, and this is important. So I need. I need you guys and all the super fans who listen to this podcast to help because this is going to come up a lot in the comments threads when we start showing fights next season. Crab walking, you know, controlled movement is gone, right? So you only, you only get a knockout when the other guy cannot, is not responsive at all. So it's either dead or it's like just spinning in a circle and it's not able to, it's obviously not under control. Or it's like a full body spinner. It's just the shells just spinning, but not moving anyway. We don't care if you're crab walking. We don't care if you're using your weapon to gyro yourself to different parts of the arena. Or like Nightmare one, day, one time used his, his weapon to drive himself to different parts of the arena. We don't care. That's not a knockout anymore. The, the referees are not going to be sitting there saying, I need to see some controlled movement. They're just waiting to see if you're basically dead. And only then will they call the knockout. Um, which is likely to confuse a lot of people this season. They're going to say, why didn't the ref call him out? But so that's where we need your help to in the comments thread to tell people that that rule has been changed. And it's basically a, a duel to the death now. So we should ex expect to see some more oppressive activity from some teams. Like if uh, if you manage to kind of hamstring your opponent, the match is not over. You keep you keep hitting until they stop. Correct. Um, of course, the flip side to that is, you know, there's sort of a de facto tap out now. A, a bot could just lift their hands off the stick and say, I can't move. And then it would, uh, people would assume they're dead and then the referees would call them out. The colorary to this um, new movement rule is the engagement rule. So if we see bots um, not engaging at all and kind of jockeying for position for what constitutes too long of a time and the referees feel like the um, fight is being dragged down, they can warn the teams and tell them, look, if you guys don't start engaging in 10 seconds, uh, we're going to just call this fight a double KO and let it go to the judges to see who wins. So that's another rule. 
Um, the third big new rule change is there's no unsticks, except in the case of two robots are stuck together. But last, you know, previous seasons, we've had no unsticks, and then we changed them to say, okay, if you get stuck on the spike rail, we'll unstick you if it's safe, but we won't unstick you at the screws or the saw slots or the top of the shelf. And it just got so confusing. And, you know, last year we had the, the fight with Whip Flash, who got stuck in the spike rail by the shelf, and Witch Doctor, who got stuck in the spike rail by the shelf. And one got unstuck, one didn't, and it was a safety reason, but the audience is confused by that. They're not on the walkie-talkies where Trey's saying, I see a green light and the whip and spinning, and I'm afraid to turn this off. I'm going to let it go to the judges. Um, so we're just not going to do any unsticks unless two robots are stuck together. Wherever, If you're stuck anywhere along the arena, we don't care if it's the spike rail, the screws, the saw slots, the shelf. Uh, it's going to be a knockout unless your opponent comes and tries to unstick you, which we highly encourage. Do you think then um, that is going to impact the number of teams that deploy forks on their bots because they're, you know, they have a tendency to get stuck under the side rails, to get stuck in the kill saw slots? Would hope so. Because the fork, you know, the fork, the fork game is, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where it, it, it's, it annoys a lot of people, right? You know, all, it's just forks, more forks, more forks, longer forks, longer for all these different forks. So we're not going to unstick if you get stuck. And how that affects the fork game, we'll see. BattleBot superfan Ryder Liangle has some uh, great questions. Uh, what do you feel has changed the most about the show between the original run and the modern series? Um, the level of crazy, insane destruction. Um, you know, when we're on Comedy Central, things might get you know pushed into a corner and kind of smushed up. And now you're seeing um, Hypershock launch Gigabyte 16 feet into the air, almost if there was no roof, it would have been thrown out of the arena with the, you know, the 16 foot wall and the robots completely obliterated. Um, you know, nowhere in Comedy Central show, do we ever see something like Ghost Raptor get just sliced into pieces and just sparks, you know, cascading everywhere and then a fire exploding. Um, so that's awesome. The level of destruction has just gone off the charts because of the what the bot builders are bringing to the table, which is a testament to their incredible talent and awesomeness. Ryder goes on to ask, the rules in the previous season said that the bots would be counted out for being on the upper deck, but in the episodes, it appeared uh, that any bot that got uh, counted out up there would have been counted out uh, on the ground as well. Was there uh, an intention uh, around this, or was it a last-minute change because the addition of it was such short notice to builders? No, the rule, the rule for the upper deck and the on the floor are pretty much the same. So if you if it and and, and that won't matter, right? Because that the whole controlled movement is gone. But the refs were like, if you're on the upper deck for far too long, much like if you're not moving on the floor, they're going to say, "I need you to get off the upper deck in 20 seconds, or otherwise I'm going to count you out." But now it won't matter because if you're on the upper deck and you're still moving, we're just going to give you time to get off of it. Ryder goes on to ask, uh, speaking of the upper deck, um, why the decision to make a big rectangular stage against, you know, the one wall rather than two smaller ones in the corners? And would it be possible to modify it like that to not give short corners that hurt horizontal spinners that are always in a bad spot because everyone, you know, prepping for Tombstone? Yeah, you know, um, I, I like the short, I like that version of the upper deck better. The upper deck is nothing that I had anything to do with. Um, have Trey Roski on the podcast and have him answer that question. Trey! 
You know, I should go back to the previous question. Um, I got to, you know, I apologize. I have to review the rules on on the upper deck and how it how it con. I still think we're going to have if you're on the upper deck for too long, you get knocked out. I just need to review that. That's something I um I need to check up on. So don't take my word for what I just said. Can we just have maybe we just have Trey in his hazmat suit up on the upper deck with a sledgehammer? Yeah, <laughs> and then any, anything goes. Yeah. Uh, Ryder goes on to ask: The current rules mention that the you know that a drive and weapon have to be separate systems. Are you open to tweaking that ruling to allow gyro walkers to compete again? I think what we'd rather do is have a walking class. So what's cool this year is there might be a demo of a new awesome walking class that might even be in the two hundred fifty pound range, and it's walkers only. Um, it won't be ready for twenty twenty two, but it's something we'd love to see for twenty twenty three, where gyro wa- walkers legged walkers, um, bristle bot, bristle type walkers, any kind of strange mobility system could be put into a class, 250 pounds, just like the regular heavyweights, where they can fight amongst themselves and they don't have to worry about something with wheels, you know, utterly you know, dominating them because they have better mobility. Um, I think the days of, of, a, of a bonus and a 500 pound um, exemption are quickly coming to a close because a 500 pound robot is just too much of a beast to lug around, to build, to even push up the ramps uh, into the arena. And I think if we brought walkers into their own division and lowered the weight class so it's more manageable for the teams, uh, we could have a really cool um, extracurricular division to BattleBots. Um, walkers can still choose to fight against wield, but I think it'd be fun to have its own class. And that's something Mark Satrakian has been championing for a while now. And there may be something he brings to the new season of BattleBots that he demos to inspire people to perhaps build for the 2023 walking division. We'll see what happens. And then, I mean, if, if you were to institute a 250 pound walking class, I mean, you know, theoretically, the box might not even be the right atmosphere to have a fight like that. You know, you can introduce things like different types of terrain. You could introduce, uh, you know, slopes. You could, you know, it's it's then a, a battle of the engineer as opposed to, hey, I get this weight bonus. I can lump harder uh, over the top of, a you know, the head with a bigger hammer. Yeah, there's all kinds of fun stuff we can experiment with now that the box is permanently in Las Vegas that we couldn't do before when we had to take the box apart, ship it back to Vallejo, fix it, put it back in the truck, ship it to wherever we're going to have the show and rebuild it. Now it's sitting in there in Vegas and it's going to be there at least for the um, foreseeable future. Um, so that enables us to have this permanent facility where we can do these kinds of experiments to see what works and what doesn't work. And more good news. Uh, extra, 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 is BattleBots is going to start having uh, a live show in Las Vegas uh, as soon as November, where we do just kind of an entertainment version of BattleBots, where people can come and watch a destructathon of robots smashing and beating the crap out of each other. Um, But more importantly, is the community can bring their robots to these shows in Vegas and fight their bot in front of a live audience and um, use that as a means to test, use that as a means to show off and say, and, and say I deserve a chance to get into the TV show. Um, there could be things like qualifying tournaments to uh, inform who gets onto the TV show um, and all kinds of things that we could do as a proving ground 
for for robot combat for the future of not only the TV show, but just BattleBots in, in general as a league. When will I be able to come in and just put $1,000 blindly on Glitch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. That's good. The Gaming Commission is, is a... Is it has like a thousand hoops you have to jump through before you can even get on those boards, but that would be really cool. The slot machine is going to should should be out um, any moment now and hitting casinos worldwide, so you can go to a put a pennies in these penny slot machines and bet on um, blacksmith. I'm I'm curious to to know a little bit more about the the live events. Would would you consider you know, uh, live streaming them to the web? Is this something that is in conjunction with, uh, you know, a discovery platform? Is it something that you get to kind of autonomously run and you get to like, you know, share with your social media and, you know, even stream? Exactly. So the live events are are totally independent from our TV deal with Discovery. Um, Albeit, it would be great to do, um, you know, we've got BattleBots World Championship. We've got BattleBots Champions. It would be great to do something like BattleBots Proving Ground to have to show sort of let's call it an, the amateur circuit working their way up to the pros. That would be fantastic content for uh, Discovery, especially since they now have you know a much bigger streaming platform with Time Warner and a few more channels on cable to play with. Um, we'll see what happens there, but uh, certainly we would stream it. Yeah, I mean, we'd love to do. We've got this Twitch channel that's just sort of sitting there that we'd like to start using, um, and a YouTube channel that finally got over a million, yay, uh, subscribers. So that's a great. Yeah, I, I want my golden plaque. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm absolutely obsessed with this idea of like a BattleBots, you know, kind of farm system where, let's say, even hypothetically for future seasons, you're able to reserve. X number of spots for teams that can come to let's call it proving grounds where you know you I've I've won X number of fights throughout the year and now I've reserved my spot on you know the big show. A hundred percent. Exactly what we're thinking is is we put out the the call for robots to come. We have some sort of some sort of scheduling app online where people can sign up to come. You know any number of of these live shows um, to come and then perhaps there's certain days where it's a designated proving ground show but you come you fight you build your record and and by doing that you you get yourself onto the world championship stage which from here on out will probably always be the top 50 and so who the, the question is going to be from here on out is who gets into this top 50 year after year after year and it's we're hoping it's an evolving wave of ro- new robots and old robots and all all set up through the live shows that happen at the permanent facility in Las Vegas. Uh, Greg, if you create the opportunity for me to bring a really ridiculous 250 pound robot to Las Vegas, and then I can go hit up a buffet and take in a show, I'm there. Yes, no, that is exactly the plan. And it was, what's beautiful is there's no selection committee anymore, right? There's no um, arbiters of what can come. As long as you follow the rules and you sign up, come on a Thursday night, uh, fight your bot and, you know, and if it's a fantastic bot, it's going to make a splash. It could get into the show. If it's not, you know, you'll get some great feedback and go back to the drawing board and keep trying. Yeah, almost. You could probably even borrow a champion's element from there where there's like kind of a, a gatekeeper uh, to, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a proven bot that you would have to test yours against in the final throws of the, the you know, each night's tournament. Well, that's where that's where bounties really, you know, that's the whole bounty thing. That's where bounties originally came from was wrestling where you know this 
big traveling wrestler would go from town to town with a bounty on his head and and would be you know people would be want to be wrestlers from from city and city and city would try to take this person on and if they won they won the bounty so something like that could totally happen a lot to organize though so so we'll we yeah yeah it, it sounds like you would need some kind of you know year round staffing and you know your your uh your your fan and community engagement it's not it's no longer time boxed to certain portions of the year when you're getting ready for your seasons to kind of ramp up and then ramp down it's like now it's like you're running a shop year round it, that's exactly right so we got to staff up um exactly that's exactly and that's we're going to vegas every wednesday now to discuss exactly what that looks like and how that's going to work i just don't want to move to vegas yeah it's a little warm 16 months out of the year exactly all right i got uh one last question here from roger lee angle um and you know they hope that uh you know this question isn't too controversial but it's one of the big debates that they've heard about uh is this limit on the size of sponsors that teams can take i know we touched on this a little bit earlier but is there uh something that battlebots can address to allow the builders to recoup some of the costs or is that you know policy that's uh, more down to the limitations from discovery? Can you just unpack that a little bit more? You know, I know that now teams can have sponsorships from you know uh, companies and brands that might you know also advertise within you know the discovery networks. But you know, to what extent are they able to kind of partner with some of those companies? And you know, uh, and and how can that sponsorship model work? Yeah, you know, so there's no limits on sponsors in terms of money or in-kind trades. There was on ABC because they were very sensitive about that, but Discovery doesn't have put put zero limits on that. So builders can get as much money as they want. The limit Discovery has is and it's it is a network limit, it's not our limit, is you know, they have advertisers um and they don't want a, a an advertiser to go to the robots for a much lesser price than their you know, commercial sell would be and sort of, you know, bypass the discovery ad sales team, right? So that's understandable. But that said, um, I think 99% of the builders that, you know, when they send submit their lists for sponsors, 99% of them do get approved and bigger and bigger names are getting approved all the time. I think discovery is is cool if the if the sponsor is B2B and sort of has a STEM focus. Um, they're open to those larger names, even if they might be an advertiser of sorts, or, or there's a competitor advertising on their network. Um, they're still going to want to, you know, approve every single one of them. But that process has been very streamlined over the last few years, and we get approvals within days now. Um, and then, like this new tranche of sponsorship, I'm really excited by. So if we can get people to sponsor things like the clock, or the fight card or the kill saws or the hammers or whatever these chunks of real estate are, um, the network themselves said that's for the builders exclusively. Um, so that's fantastic. So all that money just gets split. You know, if you, we sell that for a hundred thousand bucks or 200,000 bucks, all that money gets split amongst the 50 competitors. And that's a nice little extra chunk of cash um, that they would receive. So that's that the goal really is to start building that up. So the builders get their own sponsors and then, we and the builders collectively can get these real estate, let's call them real estate sponsors, to have this builders share in, in this bigger chunk of money. Because you're talking about, you know, 54 hours of TV that a clock sponsor would be seen on, right? 
is Pete Abramson maybe open to the idea of a visible face tattoo uh, sponsorship for MeUndies? Uh, we'll have to ask him. Yeah. I mean, he, he, I'll send him a note. I'm sure he's yeah. down. Yeah, he's down. <laughs> Renata, who competes with Team WPI, wants to know, what sort of meta changes would you like to see in the future? Oh, boy. I mean, I've always been a fan of sort of this terrain idea. I think it'd be fun to experiment with that. Um, you know, but it, the fear is always you can't do it because it might, you know, mess up the TV show. And now with the permanent facility, we can experiment with those kinds of things. You know, when we got greenlit on ABC, we spent like a month brainstorming with this genius uh, concept guy, Mark Gabbana, who works for George Lucas and helped Mark Thorpe, you know, conceive of a lot of stuff. Um, and, you know, the battle box was a like almost like a Japanese game show of hazards and insane stuff. We literally had like uh, a bowling ball shooter that had a had a, a hopper full of bowling balls that someone could turn that could, you know, sp- turn and aim and it would shoot bowling balls at the competitor comp- competing robot. And each team had one of these things with about 10 bowling balls in the hopper. And it's kind of silly, right? But something like that would be fun to try out and see if it works and if it really makes the show more fun or if it's just stupid, right? So with the permanent facility, we can do those kinds of things now. I'm a late eighties, early nineties kids. And, and let, let me tell you um, the show, American gladiators. Do you remember the competition assault? Uh, is that the one where they shot the stuff from from high up? It was almost like pinball? yes, yeah. yeah. So like there would there would be like one American gladiator that would have a tennis ball gun and would fire. Yeah, at yeah, the, yeah. You know, I love that. Would go station to yeah. station. Uh, do that with robots, and um, I'll get a Miyandi's tattoo on my face. <laughs> but no, that that's exactly you know. There's all that gladiator stuff you could play around with with a permanent facility. Um, I mean, these things aren't cheap I and mean, they, they take a lot of engineering. Um, you'd be surprised how much, you know, engineering goes into something even like as simple as the shelf. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, playing around with the, 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 the meta structure of the arena itself to me is a fun idea. But I also like just thinking, I, I, really, I do want to see different forms of mobility. I think that would be fun. Um, I just think it warrants its its own division because the wheeled class is so just strong at this point that anything that walks would be obliterated quickly. All right. I have a question here from ZZ before I turn you over to my wife, Lindsay. Uh, And this, you know, uh, feel free to riff on this as much as you want. Where do you see BattleBots in the next five years? What are the priorities for its future development? Um, I see us having a nightly live show in Vegas. That's something akin to like, Blue Man Group or Cirque du Soleil or, or um, Penn and Teller, where it's, it's an entertainment platform that you know, tourists go and they, they like it. And that enables us to have the income to play around and experiment like we've been talking about. And, and then during these live shows and then at designated times throughout the year, we have a proving ground um, tournaments where we figure out who is going to be the next best upcoming robots that go into the top 50 for the world championship, which ultimately becomes like the Super Bowl of robotic sports. And we'll be doing, you know, world championship 20, whatever that Roman numeral is, um, you know, down the road. So I just see it becoming a, a true bona fide sport that, you know, people who are like us and like to are gearheads and like to play with, you know, engineer stuff and, and get their hands dirty and tinker around in the garage can can do. 
and ultimately, I think you know, for me, it's really important for the kids to be inspired. So ultimately, inspires the, the kids to want to take place in robotic contests, and maybe there's even a BattleBots something for you know BattleBots Junior for kids that's comparable to like what you know First and Vex are doing, but maybe a little more combat. And the whole thing is just a giant thing that happens all over the world to basically make better engineers and better makers and better inventors. And it's a lot of fun. Hey, Greg, uh, this is Lindsay. I'm I just want to say everything in your last answer, just, you know, tugged at all of my little heartstrings. I think so much of, you know, what you envision is what so many people in the community have really been hoping for. And I know how much work goes into it. And I, I can only imagine the staff and, and, you know, the logistics, but like, you know, if that's something that BattleBots is veering into, I, I just, I see it doing so much good, so much good for the community, for the sport, for the world, like all of the above. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited to see what the, what the years are going to bring in the future for BattleBots. We are too. You know, we hope the, we hope this live show can really succeed because that can become the engine to um to then invest in all those other things yeah because as we all know this sport is not cheap yeah. <laughs> and it's not it's not cheap on the builder side it's not cheap on the production side and um tv budgets get smaller and smaller and smaller over the years because people don't watch tv as much as they do unfortunately and so we need another way to keep everything going and we think this is it so hopefully it works fingers crossed yeah absolutely um, all right. So resident Norwalk Havoc statistician Gil Hova writes, Hi, Greg. I'm really excited to see season seven, or should I say now BattleBot seven, uh, filming live after having such a great time watching the six filming. Thanks for putting on such an amazing show. Now that you have a long term presence in Las Vegas, is there any hope of having um, something that's more live stream? So he, he wanted to know about regular live shows. I think you covered that. but um, yeah. Is it even if you can't make it to Vegas, do you think there's a like for, for as an audience member, um, do you think that there's still a way to monetize a live stream so that, you know, you can still get people who can't go in person? Yeah, I think I think at the very least we would um, as we do these proving ground tournaments throughout the year in Vegas, um, that to me has to be live stream. Um, and again, now that we have finally have a million followers on YouTube that becomes something that be that becomes a real thing that can you know make some impact so yes definitely want to do that that is very exciting all right uh william marchese who runs sea dragons roar and backlash wave at norwalk havoc wants to know hey what's the guy gotta do to get the old BattleBots footage in some stream or blu-ray format talk about comedy central yeah i think so yeah i mean isn't it it's well, I mean, first off, so much of it has just been pirated and put on YouTube that it's pretty yeah. much all there. The for us to get it on, you know, something streaming or or you know, material, it's a just a giant rat's nest of rights because Comedy Central, you know, has a co what is it called copyright in those old shows with us, but then they were bought by Paramount, who probably merged with someone else, and to figure out who owns the rights now is insane and and to then take all of that stuff and then digitize it in the proper format to get it into that medium for streaming or whatever just takes somebody to want to put the investment into it so someone really has to want to you know deal with the rights issues 
uh, and then deal with the cost to stream it, which no one has the the will at the moment to do because we're so busy doing all the other stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, so right now it's sort of a, it's probably not going to happen, but who knows what will happen in the future with it. But again, so much of it is on YouTube. You can pretty much find anything. Yeah, that's fair. That's, I, I would say, totally fair. Yeah. Um, all right. So Corium9 has a multi-part question. Um, how would you say the venue has been in Vegas now that you've had, you know, the season six tournament there, Remars, Champions? How's it going? It's great. Um, really enjoy it. I mean, it's nothing like having a home. I and mean, we go there every Wednesday and we get ready for all our stuff and talk about all our other ways to, you know, grow this thing for the future. And, you know, we just couldn't do that before. And, of course, Vegas is the home of so many tourists. I think 100,000 new tourists every week. Whoa. You know, come into, the, come into the place. So it really opens that door. That's why Penn & Teller can do the same magic tricks night after night after night after night because there's 100,000 new people coming in by the week. Um, and so it's the perfect place to try to pull this off. And we're such a unique property. You know, there's always there's always a review or a circuit de soleil or a magic this, magic that, magic this, but there ain't no robot fighting, right? So that is super unique, and that's why Caesars has got behind us um, and let us uh, lease that facility from them. And the fact that F1 is coming, and F1 is literally, you know, F1 is going to be in BattleBots's backyard. The one of the main curves is on Koval Street, which is where our arena is. Wow! And it's just with that happening, uh, along with Super Bowls and on football and, and hockey and all the sports coming to Vegas, it just seems like, unless it runs out of water, <laughs> it seems like a, the greatest place to, you know, try to pull off um, a lot, you know, a, 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 a battle bots that just goes on and on and on and on. You couldn't do it in any other town except Vegas just because of the sheer volume of tourists. And and what I'll say to that is, you know, if you see Penn and Teller or you see, I don't know if uh, Celine Dion is still <laughs> in residence there, but you're going to see the same show, you know, basically every night or with BattleBots. Um, I imagine the live show, it's going to still be unpredictable. You might have different bots show up. You might have, you know, different types of battles. So you could go multiple times. Yeah, we're, we're going to build a bunch of purpose built, you know, we call them show bots. They're replicas of a lot of the famous bots that you've seen on TV. And the, and the bot builders are helping us do that right now. Um, and it, like you said, yeah, okay, it might look like a hypershock and talk like a hypershock, but every night it's going to fight a little bit differently because it might go up against someone differently. So it has always got that unpredictability to it. Um, and then part and parcel with that live entertainment stuff is going to be proving ground. So lots of... Um, Lots of unique opportunities to watch the entertainment that we love so much of robot fighting combat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is a side question um, from Corium9. Uh, do you think that the fights from Remars are ever going to be, you know, available to watch online? Yes. So I uh, just have, I, they're, they're, they're ginormous files. They're huge, right? And I've got to upload them to our friends who help us run the YouTube channel. Um, and they are, we're talking about before the end of the year, before the new series airs, we're either going to premiere the entirety of the Amazon show or chop it into, you know, segmented fights, um, or both, probably both. Um, but it, it, the plan is absolutely to, to, um, cut it 
into something for multiple views on YouTube. They, it's all on Dropbox and they can't, they can't download it. They're like, I can't, I've tried 15 <laughs> times, but it's a 60 gigabyte file, you know, or actually it's like, it's like, it's like, it's almost like 60 terabytes. It's something insane. Yeah. I was going to say, I didn't even know that Dropbox could uh, store something that large. Oh my goodness. We, we called them and they gave us this unlimited plan. Um, wow. And, and we're pushing the boundaries of that every day. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, well, a lot of people ask that question about Remar. So you just made a lot of people happy. Yeah, they'll get to see it. It's going to happen. Awesome. And then uh, Coriam's last comment is, thanks for you and Trey signing my modded Vex Bite Force at the Tech Museum screening. So oh, that cool. made his day. Nice. Awesome. You're welcome. Glad to do that. <laughs> All right. So fellow Copperhead team member, Go Copperhead and noted giant pumpkin farmer Chad New has an easy one for you. Greg, what are you most excited for in uh, BattleBot 7? Uh, air conditioning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm being facetious, but I am very excited for October weather and not August weather. I bet. It was so hot. And yeah, the building's air conditioning, but the second you walk outside to go run up to the pit to see if, you know, um, so and so's ready for their fight you're just, you're walking through hell, right? It's like, ah, and as a, as a former redhead, cause now I'm all gray, um, it, it just sun and I don't get along. So I am looking forward to, uh, August, October weather, not August weather. And, um, but on the robot side, I'm totally psyched that we're able to do this four fight guaranteed thing and really talk about standings throughout the year and make it more of make more of the lexicon and the, and the, and the terms people use around real sports. That's because that's we you know we think BattleBots is a real sport, yet we're sometimes sacrificing the uh, that for the TV side because we can only have so much time and so many episodes. So so and so is only going to get two fights, and these guys get three fights. But now we've worked it out so everyone gets four. So it can we can really talk about standings and do all that kind of stuff. So I'm excited that that's going to start happening. Oh, I'm so 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 excited! Um, excellent. All right, so we have some good questions here from BattleBot Superfan and noted sign maker, Mary Catherine Carr. Um, at what point are you hoping to know more about Pit Tours? I know there's been some uh, up in the air right now about whether you can, whether you can't. So any any news to share on that front? Yeah, good question. So um, the, the location of the pit is, well, it isn't anymore, but um, it has been for a while to be determined. You know, is it going to be in that back lot in front and behind Bailey's where it was last season? Or can we put it in the dirt lot next to the building, which would be fantastic? Or do we have to please no put it in our own parking lot, which eats up too much space? Um, good news is we we think we think it's going to be in the Bally's lot. Uh, before that was off limits to us, but now I think we've gotten it back and our kudos to the production team for just working their butts off to make that happen, which. Um, so then the next hoop is COVID of it all and the organization of it all, you know, having enough production staff to do, to, um, to, to do those tours. So right now we didn't add it to any ticket packages because we don't know if we can afford to do it, if we have the staff to do it. And a couple of weeks ago, we didn't even know if the pit would accommodate it, but now we think the pit can accommodate it. Um, so we just got to figure out if we have enough budget to, um, make it happen. If we do, if we are able to do it, uh, it'll most likely be an add-on 
you know, much like Monster Truck does. They, you know, for 20 bucks, you can go check out the trucks in the back lot and meet the builders and say hi and all that stuff and get an autograph. So we'd probably follow that model if we can do it. It's an add-on at the event. And of course, if you're a VIP ticket holder, it'll be just like deeply, deeply discounted because you should have gotten that to begin with, right? Um, the other thing that we're thinking of doing is the tunnel seats. Um, we're thinking of changing that to something called the High Five Club, where you know it's probably a capacity of about 50 people, but you can go into the High Five Club and you know high five the builders, high five the builders as they're coming through with their robot in their tunnel shot as they enter into the room. And and maybe you know again, it's all about the budget, which is which is extremely um, strapped. But if there's a way to pull it off, that could be a place where people can hang out and. Uh, maybe there's like some food and beverage there or something like that. Um, for the live show, not the TV show, we absolutely want to turn that into kind of a club experience for Vegas um, ticket holders who want just the extra, extra level of awesomeness. I love it. I love it. I love the idea of the high five club. Um, I would want to sit there myself. So I know that's going to be very popular. Um, yeah. So keep everyone should keep an eye on battlebots.com slash tickets because, you know, as these things become, uh, available or not will inform that page in, including the COVID rules as well. And so that page is going to be updated a few times until we get to the October 18th. So just keep an eye on that if you're, if you're interested in that stuff. Yeah, that's good to know. That's good to know. Um, all right. So uh, Mary's husband, Brandon has a question. Did Will Bale succeed in making Trey add Lex and ramps around the doors? Uh, we'll see that that's part of what happens with those out of the arena zones is something that is in, in, in discussion. And I don't know what's going to happen yet. I think you guys should have Trey on the, on the podcast to ask him about that kind of stuff. And what, but whatever happens, we'll, we'll tell the bot builders as quickly as we can. And I know Trey does want to do something about those, those sections. It's just the question is, do we have the time? Do we have the money to pull it off in such a short time frame? Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Uh, here is an empathetic question for Mary. Just how chaotic was your day last Friday? And how many adult beverages did you need after all of that? I'm assuming she means after the uh, Ticketmaster code thing. That was the easy part, because that's just going to the Facebook supporters, which, you know, there's not a whole bunch of those. But today was the crazy day. So oh. this morning was this like inbox from hell. And it's it's all around the COVID rules which I should explain, um, you know, because it's, it's, you're walking onto a TV set. Most people think of BattleBots when they're buying a ticket is they're going to a live show. Um, but you are, but you're also stepping onto a TV set that because of our relationships with our production company and the TV trade unions, we have to follow their rules. So there's SAG-AFTRA, which, you know, is Chris, Kenny, Farouk, and Pete. There's the Director's Guild, which is our director. There's the Writer Guilds, which are Ryan. There's IATSE, which is just the, the crew, and all of them have um, COVID protocols to keep their people safe, and we have to follow the most strictest because they're all on set. And what that means for a live TV audience currently, and these could change, is that you have to be vaccinated. And um, you know all of the stuff about, uh, can I show a negative test? What about my kids? There's a lots of very valid reasons for you know, not having to be vaccinated. But what the unions currently say is you have to be vaccinated. So that's what we have to follow. Obviously, we're speaking with them to see what we can loosen up here and there. And we'll change the website accordingly. But that is the way it stands right now. 
Yeah. And I mean, you know, there's not a lot of wiggle room. You can't act outside of those uh, rules and regulations. So, you know, I, I hope that anybody listening to this goes easy on you because it's not, you know, your decision. You just have to put on a show and you have to abide by their rules to do it. And um, don't don't shoot the messenger. Please don't, because it's very it's super stressful for me because I'm I am the guy who has to answer the emails and I try to be as polite as I can. But it really is out of our hands. Um, and we're trying to push back and see what we can do to ease up some th- stuff. You know, the, 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 you know, we had the 2000 season and the 2021 season, five, six, 700 people on set following those union rules and nobody got sick. Right. And then we did the Amazon show and there was no union rules. And we, we laxed up some protocols because it wasn't a big show. It was only like eight robots. And there was an outbreak of the, of Omicron, right. Of the B.5 or whatever it was. And lots of people got sick. Um, and so it just shows you how effective these protocols are. Um, so they need to be balanced with um, with the fact that maybe COVID is diminishing. We're all kind of sick of it, but um, you still we still have to be diligent not to get each other sick. So we respect their rules. Yep, I I agree completely. Um, and then uh, she wraps up by saying, "Congrats on BattleBot Seven. See you in a month." Thank you. Yeah, please say hi. I love seeing all those great signs from last season. That was fantastic. Every every fight, she almost had a new sign. It was the best ever. <laughs> yeah, she's. I don't know how she does it, but uh, it's her. It's her calling. <laughs> um, so, a friend of the pod, Lindsay Eureka, has some interesting questions. Um, what team did you have to reject this year? Is there anyone that you regret rejecting that you can you can speak to? Oh man, you know. So we had. You know, normally we have close to seventy bots. And this time we had to go to, to 50. And so that's 20. And, you know, you want to have newbies, right? So we had some, like, I, th- I think I said we had like seven or eight newbies. And we had people who could come back from the, from the, uh, from the internationals that were previously restricted because of COVID travel. So there was some tough, tough, tough decisions. Luckily, some people bowed out the season because they wanted a break. Um, people like Ray had personal issues they had to deal with. So a lot of the decisions were made for us, but there were some absolutely uncomfortable things we had to do to just narrow this down to um, 50. My most saddest one was Ice Wave. Um, yeah. So, and I don't, I don't think Mark was very happy. Um, and I know Mark's a good friend of mine and we've been, you know, known each other for years. And so I hope we can find a way to get Ice Wave back in the future. Uh, and there was other ones like that, you know, but again, I think by having the live show and proving ground, you know, any, we open that door for lots of different people to get back into the show and also have fun just fighting robots in front of a live audience. Yeah, I mean, definitely not an enviable position for you. I uh, would not want to have that job. So someone's going to do it, though. So I guess thank you. Um, yeah. But yeah, hopefully with with these new opportunities that are uh, on the horizon, you know, even if maybe filming for one season isn't going to be in the cards, like there could be another opportunity to compete or perform in, in another way. So um, yeah. silver linings, I guess. Yeah, it's growing, you know, growing pains. It always happens. Yeah. So we have a question from Sean Peterson. What do you think of Derek Young's idea of having a limit on materials used on bots to make things less less expensive for builders and make less of a pay-to-win element to the sport. We need more rusties in the sport, plus it helps make control bots relevant again. 
Um, I haven't talked to Derek about that rule. I should I should hear it from the horse's mouth. Um, I don't know. I have to think about that. I mean, there's something I I I don't like meddling in the um, creativity of what they can and can't do. Obviously, you have to for safety reasons, um, and you do have to to kind of keep the playing field even from a rule design perspective. But as less of that as BattleBots can do, I think is better. So yes, it then escalates into this, you know, arms race of who has the best forks and best uh, vertical spinner. And you see a lot of people spending a shit ton of money. Um, but I think the sport has only gotten better in terms of an entertainment uh, value because of that stuff. And also because, uh, and I think the builders are, you know, the sport is just stronger than ever with Norwalk happening and RoboGames coming back. Um, lots of things happening international. You know, the, the Brits has finally got their shows back online. I think that the, the, the sport is in a better place than ever. And I think it has a lot to do with just how much we push the envelope on shows like BattleBots. So I don't know. I'd have to hear what Derek's idea is before I could give you a better answer. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, I, I do think that it, it's hard because when you do kind of step in to regulate, you know, X, Y, or Z, you don't really know the unintended consequences that'll come from that or stifling creativity or. No, totally true. And like these, these new rules I discussed, like, you know, this sort of like, we don't care if it's controlled movement anymore. That's going to have some sort of thing that we never anticipated happen. And there might be some boring fights because of that. There might be some fantastic fights, you know, about, I was talking to Aaron, you know, we we're talking about the consequences of this rule. And we both agreed that, look, man, there's probably going to be five more fights that would have never happened that are insanely awesome because of this new rule. And there's going to be three that would have been awesome that are now terrible, right? So hopefully we're on the, on the higher side of the scale and not the bottom side of the scale for the TV show. But it could create a situation where for 2023, we got to figure out another rule. And, and that always happens. And fans should realize that we're constantly tweaking this to try to make it the best thing we can and the fairest thing we can. And it, it's going to constantly be a work in progress. I mean, the NFL, the NHL, NBA, they're still tweaking their rules. And so will BattleBots. I'm sure NHRL will be as well. And so will RoboGames. We're all, we're all just kind of trying to keep tweaking it so it's better and more fair. And I think that's the sign of any good sport. You know, you, you want to stay um, relevant and you want to kind of adjust with the times if you kept the same rule set um, and you didn't kind of, you know, make those changes as, as you saw that they were needed. And uh, that's not really good for anyone. So I think it's good to be able to have that level of flexibility. hundred percent. And, you know, you know, right now forks might become a problem. We might have to put a weight limit on forks or something right now. We're not doing that. Um, but if it just becomes an out of control situation, um, we might have to, but it's all these things are, we're watching it, you know, we're, we'll, we'll assess it and we'll make the new rules as we see fit. One other thing I forgot to mention, another new rule is this season we have a match steward. We're taking a page from the um, F1 book. So the F steward is going to be the person who is sort of the rule czar at the event and knows the rule book inside and out and can discuss the rules with the competitors if there's a question hey so-and-so did this isn't that against the rules and they can they can have a discussion about that they're also we're also allowing the builders to make an appeal if they don't agree with the judge's decision 
Um, they have to do it right there at the end of the end of the match when after they heard the judge's decision. But if they don't agree, they can make an appeal and they can talk to the match steward about why they think they should have won and the and the and the judge's decision was wrong. They'll get to review the the cards. Uh, there's a discussion between the match steward and the judges um, about the reasoning for the appeal. Replays might be looked at, um, and who knows? It might get switched or it might not. Um, so that's another little nuance we're adding this season, which may be awesome or may be horrible. It might just waste a ton of time or it might be the greatest moment of television ever, but we, we shall see. I love it. I love it. Um, so this is the last question before I hand you over to my friend Kyle with his uh, last set of questions here as we near the end. Um, but it's kind of on, you know, the, the same theme that we've, we've just been discussing. Um, and it comes from Andrew Harvey. What are the challenges in balancing the production of an entertainment television show versus creating a fair and inclusive sport for the builders, particularly in regards to defining the rule set? I mean, I have to imagine this is one of the most challenging aspects of, of your job. You know, the, the rules, you just, you just, we just have to keep it fair. And the good thing is the rules existed before the TV show did. So we just keep iterating on those. Um, and what we do find is sometimes some shit happens in the in the fights where we got to tweak the rules because we realize something, you know, doesn't there's something missing from the judge's guide. So we need to put that back in. Um, but in terms of how the show, the show has a lot of puts a lot of burden on the sport because of the time uh, and probably the budget, I would say, um, probably more so the time, because, you know, we could have done four matches for everybody in the qualifying rounds long time ago we just don't have the hours to put all that stuff on tv right and so what the hours we do get sometimes doesn't mathematically equate to an equal number of fights in the qualifying fight card rounds unfortunately so the tv has to take precedence because that's the only time we have to do it um so it's stuff like that where you have to find that balancing act but the rules um I think I'm not I don't think the TV really affects the rules so much. Maybe there's a specific example I'm missing, but but I think the t the rules we 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 think of the rules outside of the box of television for most of the most of it. There are probably things like the countouts, you know, they got to be visual. Um but no, I think the rules we think about those outside of the television box. But maybe if there's a specific example I'll I can address that in a future question. So there's probably something that I'm just forgetting. I can't think of anything uh, really too specific. Um, no. but I will uh, now throw you on over to Kyle. Hello, hello, hello. I'm glad to talk to you today, Greg. Me as well. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and move on for more listener questions. I swear we're in the last like stretch. You're doing great. <laughs> Congratulations. We're, we're making it right through. Um, all right, so this is specific deep six questions from Mike Chael. Mm -hmm. So what would it take to improve the arena to allow deep six, or I'll just say deep six like bots, right? Like big, tall, horizontal spinners, which are which, uh, vertical, vertical spinners, which to my mind is the, the concern, right? right. Um, or any, um, do you have any similar concerns, yes, to D6's successor, Triton? Um, so yeah. Right, right. So people have to realize that 
I don't I, I don't remember this whole rejection of Deep Six, and maybe I'm just forgetting, or maybe someone else in the in the in our organization did that. But as far as I know, when I look at the application system, I saw Triton, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome, and he's changing from Deep Six, which was problematic, and I'll explain why in a second. And so for me, it was just like, oh, well, shit, let's get Triton. That solves two problems. Solves the deep six destroying the floor problem. And it's almost, it's basically kind of the same look and bot, except it's uh, horizontal, not vertical. And when with Tombstone bowing out this season, uh, it's a great way to have just a meaty, death, evil, horizontal spinner back. Um, So fantastic that Triton is coming and we're psyched for Triton. Um, What, you know, we we had many, many problems in earlier seasons with the thin layer of steel that is the floor peeling up and causing a stuck, you know, a, a, a fouling position for other robots. And everyone remembers the cobalt versus duck fight, right? And cobalt got stuck on the floor after he was, should have won because he, he was beating duck relentlessly, but he got stuck and he got counted out and duck wins. Um, so Trey invested a ton of cash to beef up the floor, not only increasing the thickness of the steel on top, but the superstructure underneath. And all of the things that plagued the floor for those earlier seasons went away. So we had much less peeling, if any, a uh, big giant dents when like Tombstone's blade would get uh, flipped, uh, you know, flip vertically and smack into it were much less damaging. Um, all of those things became much easier to repair. And, and, and we could now have um, our dream, which was to keep this at a permanent facility as opposed to pulling out modules and constantly fix them. But Deep Six, I, you guys should see it. We should probably take pictures and show people. He went <laughs> through the floor, the newly <laughs> thick floor, and, I mean, completely warped the underlaying superstructure which is this series of square tubing that is pretty fine, you know, pretty um, fine. It's, it's right. a lot of little squares, not one, you know, it, it's been that, that four foot square area underneath has been divided into lots of little squares. So it's got lots of little joists down there. Right. Um, and he just warped, he just warped that the whole module is warped. If you put it on you know, flat surface, you just teeter totter it for days. And so it doesn't want to bolt in with its with its neighbors, basically. And, and to get it out in the permanent facility is such it's a huge pain in the butt. And what people yeah. don't know is that the arena is sunken down. The 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 uh, venue we have in Vegas when they they used to do this monopoly um, contest there when you know McDonald's would have the monopoly cards, and they did some big finale for the McDonald's monopoly thing there. And for some reason, they built a pit. That just is the same exact size of our arena. It was crazy. <laughs> and the pit goes down about two feet. Maybe it's like 18 inches. And our arena just fits in it perfectly. That's with a little bit of a service area so people can crawl underneath to wire stuff up if they have to. Um, and But to pull a module out of the sunken arena section is really problematic. Um, and and so. It, so a crazy vertical um, bar like what Deep Six has um, is just it is it is unfortunately a no go when it can 
warp floor modules with such magnitude that it did. Um, the only way to fix that is to beef up the floor even more. And you know, every time we do these major upgrades for the arena, it's millions of dollars, right? It's a lot of cash. So, um, and that has to we we you know the TV has to help cover that. So, and when we're trying to do other stuff with that money, sometimes we can't we can't do that. So we have to wait for enough seasons to go by, and then finally, baby, will hopefully be able to do it. So, um, the floor's in a good oh, so spot that, right now. Say, I'm sorry. That, that's something I wanted to check in on, though. Um, does that so is that how that works? I was wondering if this kind of falls under like BattleBots budget or TV budget, but it's a mix. It's like a little bit of both. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, it's best to use the investment from from the budget, but also can be an investment. So it's, yeah. and it's a huge investment that has to be made. And, you know, in a world where the TV show is, is difficult to produce, um, it, that, that forces the, the arena upgrades to be harder to, harder to do as well. So yeah, makes perfect sense. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, we have to do it every three, four five years. Right. Yeah. Of um, course. But deep six, just, he hit the, he hit the outer envelope of what's possible in that with those floor modules. Wow. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. And now we have Triton, which is uh, extremely similar power, extremely similar like impressiveness of bot, but the the axis is different. So yes. they're not directing that energy entirely into the floor every single hit, which Correct. makes perfect sense. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. All right. Well, I get that. Um so let's go on to another question from Trent Seether. Sheether. Um he says, Is there a legal way to watch BattleBots if you live in Australia within a year of it airing in the US. And I think that this is just a good time to talk about like what's happening with international syndication of the show. What are you guys working on right now? What can we expect in the horizon? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're in, so NBC Universal is the distributor for the show internationally, and they would love to sell it to every international broadcaster under the sun. There has to be a demand, right? Mm -hmm. So, they did sell it in Australia before, and they have sold it in the UK. ITV4, uh, Netflix, they've sold it into Europe. And it all depends on how many people watch it. So if a lot of people watch it, they can absolutely go back and sell seasons four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Um, if not a lot of people watch it, then it becomes much harder for them to do it. So the only way these shows get seen internationally is if there's demand. So the fans got a rally um, in these different foreign territories, outside of the US territories. Yeah. And and make a groundswell of of demand to let these networks know that we want I want my MTV. I want BattleBots. I want it. Um the good news is the you know our TikTok and social media Instagram it goes insane. You know you post one clip and it's getting like 50 million views. So yeah. obviously um NBC Universal knows that and they can leverage that to and you can see that, that it's not all coming from America, right? coming from different locations around the world. So that helps um, sell the show. So the more people that get involved from around the world on our social media help. Um, a lot of people do are doing podcasts from different portions around the world. Um, there's a fun story I like to tell. I think it was in Spain. There was a podcaster in Spain who was had a huge podcast about BattleBots and it got a ton of numbers, ton of ton of views and subscriptions. 
such that NBC Universal told the Spanish broadcaster, look at this guy, look at the audience he has. And they bought a couple seasons of the show. So those kind, you got to build that groundswell of demand to help NBC Universal sell the show. That's the way it's going to work. Makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Interesting. That's really interesting. All right. So let's go on to our next uh, question from uh, Jackpot Captain. And let's go ahead and say it. BattleBot super duper fan Jeff Waters. (laughs) Um, He has a question about the live show. Um, So he says, who is the most promising new team you you see debuting this season? Ooh, new team? Oh. Uh, hold on. Let me look. Let me look. Let me look. Let me. Well, okay. I'm most excited about, and I'll, I'll give you guys a little, uh, hint into who's coming. And this is just me personally, that all these new robots are super cool. Um, so it's hard for me to just say one, but I'm really excited about double tap. Yes. Y'all can follow them on their social. I believe it's on Instagram, double tap. Um, I'm very excited about that robot. Um, I'm also excited about um, what Mr. Zelinsky is doing uh, with his new robot. We all know mm. that P1 is not coming. And there's a new robot in the works, which looks very interesting. Um, there might even be two robots with um, his, not only uh, Brandon, but uh, you know uh, his friends from other robot, uh, other teams. And they've got two robots that are coming that are really cool. Super excited about that. There's some just brand, I mean, they might not be new to, um, you know, Emulsifier is really exciting, right? And that's been a, yeah. a, an HRL bot, right? Yep, absolutely. Um, what else is in there? There's some robots coming that have been, you know, smaller on the smaller weight class side that have probably competed in events like NHRL that have sized up and are coming. Um, and there's sort of a new sort of rusty, rusty esque bot coming this season that I'm also excited about. Yeah. So lots of fun newbies. That's awesome. And that is, um, I know that, you know, while production time is tight and budgets and all that, it is really cool that you're still dedicated to bringing new, new competitors, new robots, new people into the sport. I think that's awesome. I mean, obviously you need that lifeblood to just keep things going, right? You you have to, you got to do at least, you know, 10%. Uh, every year of new bots otherwise it's just you know i i I love watching our fan favorites but there's got to be new blood yeah and i gotta say like uh especially when you're you know a battlebot journalist i guess you could say like us or robot combat journalists we love when the the season of the year that's like one of my most favorites is when everybody's releasing their application videos on youtube Right. Yeah, totally. It's so fun to just imagine what could be, you know what I mean? Even if those bots don't make it in, you see so many concepts that you're like, oh, that's so neat. I hope they get in. That's awesome. And now with the proving ground, all of them can get in. Yeah, I love that. It's not into the TV show. They get into a thing that gets you into the TV show. Yeah. Oh, man. So good. So good. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, All right. So we got another question from Heather Stringfellow. uh, Oh, I'm sorry. I still have one from Jeff that I wanted to ask. If you could pit any two current or classic bots against each other in the live show, let's say you get to pick things and whatnot, um, who would you put together? That's an opportunity to really like do something like that. Like, hey, maybe, maybe some, maybe uh, they like uh, Jim brings Nightmare out. Would it be fun to put them up against somebody? I think it'd be fun as hell to see Nightmare come back. Um, I've always loved Overhaul. You know, Christian's crazy sword robot. 
Yep. Um, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Anything, anything from the old school Donald Hudson would be great. Casbot. Um, yeah, stuff like that. It would be fun to see what Carlo could come up with or Gage Koshua after all these years. Yes. Would love that. I mean, I, again, this live show, non-televised live show becomes a way for someone like a Carlo to say, ah, I'll, just, I'll go down there for the weekend and try out this little concept I've been working on. Yeah, and that's a lot of the energy of the first couple of like Robot Wars and BattleBots competition. Yeah. It was like, you know what? Let's just give it a shot. Exactly. And it, you know, it doesn't have to you don't have to have three chassis and be, you know, rolling with your NASCAR team because you're going to fight all <laughs> this crazy stuff. You can have your your concept, right? Yeah. And and try it out and and if it proves well, beef it up. Keep trying. Doesn't do well, fix it and try again. I love it. I love it. All right. So now onto that question from Heather Stringfellow. She says, any thoughts on maybe hosting regional BattleBots with winners going on to compete on the show or at the live show in Vegas? Um, we could call it BattleBots Extended Universe. Nah, that would be expensive, but... Yeah, no, that's exactly what Proving Ground would, would, would be. That's the goal. Gotcha. Is, you know, in 2023, it's going to start, you know, fits and spurts as we get our collective together to turn this live show into something that really is making, making it and, and surviving in Vegas. And oh, got it, got it. But you know, but hopefully, um, it it becomes this thing where absolutely there's qualifier. Everyone can expect a qualifier um, to happen at X amounts of times per year on these designated dates, and that is the, your way to build your record to um, to get into the show. The big it's like a very uh, destructive American Idol uh, tryout. I love. Yeah, that. Or, or even like whatever, like like the tennis association does with their things all around. Except we'll be on Vegas. We won't travel because it's too hard. For right. the Arena. But yeah, that arena is ridiculous to travel around. Yeah, that's what that's what I was saying. That would be really expensive if if we did it regionally. You just couldn't bring the bring the arena to St. Louis for a week or something. That would be a that's lot. That's right. Um, all right, so we've got a spinoff show-related question from Mario Cast, who writes, Hi, Greg. It seems like the meta, according to the scorecards, is more damage and supports spinner bots, which is very entertaining, but it narrows other control bots and possibly other innovative bot builders from competing. Is B BattleBots considering having a separate mini-show on non-spinning bots um, and perhaps something else fun like aerial drones or something like that? Uh, so basically, he's asking, do, do you want to get a sportsman class going? Maybe. Um, again, we have a permanent facility. We've got a lot of days to fill. It's going to be there 365. Why not do all these kinds of things with it? Um, we have to organize it. We need, the, we need the support. We need the staff. We need the demand. Yeah. But if it's there, um, why not? Why not try all of it? Um, I love that. Yeah, his next question sounds really dangerous, so I want to get your ideas on it because you've you've been here since the beginning. You've seen it all, right? Um, so, or maybe a rumble in an open parking lot with lots of control bots and drones as a mini series after BattleBots finishes. He calls it Rumble in the Park. <laughs> that sounds like a couple lawsuits ready to happen. <laughs> Yeah, no, too dangerous. Uh, I'll tell the story. So we were at the Jay Leno, you know, show. We brought a mini arena. Sweet. Uh, Mahler 5150 is going to fight. Um, I forget who they're going to fight. Probably was it like, it was Chinkilla, right? So we, um, we have some other robots in Studio One. Jay's in Studio Two. Studio One was where they used to shoot some other famous show. The Johnny Carson show. 
Um, and it's empty. It's just this thing. And we're practicing with the robots. And um, one of the robots caught a stray signal from a camera or a microphone or something and just took a straight line and smacked into the studio wall, which are these soft, you know, soundproof material type walls, and nearly went right through it. <laughs> so you really, you can't do this stuff outside. You have to have an enclosed uh, arena with nobody inside of it. Because even a control bot can catch a stray signal and, you know, just hit the ankles of somebody. I've been hit in the, in the shin with a robot, a lightweight robot in the ankle. And the size of the, you know, hematoma that came up on my thing in about 10 seconds turning purple was horrible. So, yeah, yeah no, it's not safe. Not safe. I mean, we, we see it all the time at uh, smaller events, you know, like Norwalk, when you have those like three pound bots, even that's just terrifying. You know, like yeah. any, anything of any weight and size is crazy. Yeah. So note to all would-be event organizers, enclosed arena, be safe, it happens. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So we're going to go on to uh, the other side of the pond, as it were. Monsoon Captain Tom Brewster has a three-part question. The first one makes no sense to me. I hope it makes sense to you. What is your text alert tone? <laughs> it's uh, Farouk saying, it's robot fighting time. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Actually, actually, oh, wait, no, that is my ringtone. <laughs> okay, I know why he asked this question, because my text alert tone is monsoon. <laughs> he stole it from the TV show. And then I've recently turned one of my other alerts into that, that um, Squid Games thing, that the call to action for the Squid Game, and it's driving yes. me nuts. I, change it. I have to change it. That's so funny. Um, all right. So his next question is, of course, when is BattleBots UK slash EU going to happen? Again, with the permit facility, now people, we can, so we sell BattleBots internationally, right? Um, and depending on where it flares up and becomes super popular, and let's assume the broadcaster loves it, what typically happens is they want to do a localized version of the show, right? Yep. You see this happen all the time with Ninja Warrior was a Japanese show, right? It's now an American show, but it started in Japan. And when NBC does Ninja Warrior, they um, are getting it from the original style guide of the Japanese show. Um, these happen all, like Master Chef, all this stuff goes all around the world like this, right? Yep. The problem with BattleBots is the arena is too expensive and too heavy and too crazy. You can't set up a, an arena in France for a Fran France-only you know, show. But with the permanent facility, French broadcasters and their producers and their robots can fly to Las Vegas, where it's relatively um, a easy destination, um, reset, decorate the place so it looks like we're in France, and shoot their localized version of the show. So if there's any UK broadcasters out there, we'll just pretend that the arena is in the UK and all the UK bots can come in and they could have they could sh take over the whole facility for two weeks and shoot the UK version of the show. So that's one another benefit of having a, a permanent facility. Um, we also would love to, you know, there's like the uh, uh, all of the like John Finley has his event out there in the UK. I forget what it's called, um, but we would, you know, there's there's an opportunity for feeder leagues into BattleBots. 
not just yeah. from not just from our own show in Las Vegas, but potentially from other shows around the world. Yeah, are you talking about like Robots Live and some of the other? Yeah, yeah, live? yeah. That's it, Robots Live. So, um, you know, obviously you gotta you gotta get the rules squared away. You gotta get the safety stuff course squared away. There's a lot of hoops to jump through with that. It's right. not as easy as it sounds, but um, something like that would is desirable to us for sure. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and especially with events like Robo Games coming back, that that sounds more and more plausible all the time. I love that. Yeah, hundred percent. And at the very least, right? I mean, like even like Norwalk, right? We there's smaller robots that happen in Norwalk that you know you just sit there and you say, God, if that was two hundred fifty pounds, that would be amazing. Yep. And that's happened. Yeah. And at um, the the event in um, Florida, you know, that's where um, Robot Ruckus. Uh, Robot Ruckus, that yep. is where uh, d- 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 Mammoth d- came from. Mammoth, thank you. Mammoth came. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, we the the fact that there's more heavyweight events and just more events in general going on now, it, it just, it's so good. It's so good for everything. It's a fantastic time for the entire sport. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So next questions come from Debbie Daniels, Danielle Vasquez. Uh, we know her. She is one of the most important team members on uh, Whiplash. Um, all right. So we, we she, talk on the phone almost every day, Debbie and I. She's awesome. That's great. I'm really glad to hear that. <laughs> um, so she says, hey, Greg, with prep for the show and the filming schedule being so crazy and busy, what part of each season do you enjoy the most? Uh, well, um, what part do I enjoy the most? Um, I definitely enjoy when I finally have to put the stupid laptop away and the emails away. And I see a big long line of robots who are ready for their fights. And I can just sit there next to Pete and him and I, because Pete got me into this when it was Robot Wars back in the day, right? Back in 94. Yeah. And him and I can just watch the fights and enjoy crazy stuff like, you know, Hypershock destroying the crap out of people and Ghost Raptor getting split into two pieces by Cobalt. And that is where the little kid comes back. And I'm just like, yes, this is so great. So that's definitely the happy space. Um, yeah, after that, it's, uh, it's getting a break and getting to go, maybe go have some tacos with like Pete and Luke and like Tom and Trey and everybody, uh, and hang out and, and, and hang out and do that. And, um, and I also, when it's not so COVID insane, just wandering the pit and getting to chat with the builders and catch up and hang out and not have to think about, Oh, you know, COVID that I can't stand here for more than 15 minutes. Otherwise I have to, you know because of all the testing we have to do. So hopefully that starts going away. Um, probably won't be as much this season, but I'm hoping in 2023, it's just completely gone. Because that's, that's probably the best part, is just hanging out with everybody and chit-chatting and catching up. Um, yeah. One day, though, I want to bring my guitar amps when no one's there, in the box, and just like play Eruption or something, right? And just see how that Oh, incorrect. You need to make sure the lighting guy is there. Okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right. Um, so she asks, and this one I'm curious about too, which has been your favorite season of the reboot so far and why was it your favorite? Oh God. Um, Hard question, but I'm curious about this too. I don't know. Uh, the, the, the season four was probably great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the season where we did the cold opens with Chris and Kenny and all the jokes like shark opening coming out of the bathroom and Chris and Kenny going like, Hey dude, come on. You know, what's, 
and um, Farouk going, it's photocopying time. (laughs) Yes. Uh, For me, I'm still very silly. And there's still a part of me that likes the silly stuff that happened in the Comedy Central era with our old executive producers, Mac and Bradley, who I love dearly and were so funny. I mean, I've never laughed so hard in my life back in those in those days where I like you, your jaw hurts because those guys are so hilarious. Um, that having a little bit of that, you know, just a teeny bit, I thought was great. So I think season four was one of my favorites just because we got to play around a little bit and we put, we did something different. Um, the season I'm ultimately looking for, though, is where like a question that was asked much earlier is like where we can really get into the pit, dive into the bot science of it all. And also talk about the bot hospital of it all. Yeah. Like, oh my God, he's got five seconds left to get this robot together before he's, he's called to the arena. Will he get it done in time? You know, that kind of stuff, I think, would add a great element to the, um, to the broadcast and, and, make, and just make, give, put fans on the edge of their seat, these ticking time bombs that really happen. They're not manu- This isn't manufactured. Right. You guys know that. Yeah. Um, it really, like, you know, if, if the story of glitch and how much time, they were offered to try to fix and fix, and then they go test, and it didn't work. And the and they're like, "Oh crap!" And it's like all the builders trying to help them get it together, and then out of the test box, back to the uh, pit, try it again. Oh, one wire. Let's go back into the test box, and it's still. The, and then finally, we, they have to be you know disqualified. First time in history, right? Yeah. Um, if that story could have been, to- it was told with one shot with a producer with this mask on going with a clipboard. That was, that's how that story was told. And it was this ginormous, entirely other thing. Right. And if that could be shown in an entertaining way, that wasn't too much, um, you know, like we're the super fans, right? We'll, we love every single bit of it, but there's some casual viewers out there that would turn the channel if we go too deep. Right. So you got to find that balance. But if we can find that balance and add that kind of content into the show, See, I, I think that would know. be great. I don't know. That kind of drama is like super tantalizing. It's like the bread and butter of like the blacksmithing shows and the cooking shows. It's the will they get it done on time stuff. I think it is. I think we, yeah. that would be totally like you could engage some audiences with that stuff. I I, I think so. You're you're right. And, it just, and part of the and I'm going to blame COVID again. I apologize. But it's <laughs> no, hard to sense. do. When, because to pull that off, you need tons of camera crews and hours and hours and hours and hours of footage. Um, and then that hours and hours and hours of footage has to be gone through and you find the bits that tell the story of what happened. Yeah. And then it has to be carefully crafted by a really talented uh, editor. And, and along with interviews of the builders telling their own stories to make this package, right? Yep. And to do that, our post-production team would have to be massively expanded. And the producers on set and the camera crews on set would have to be massively expanded. And it's just something the budget won't uh, allow. Um, however, we're going to try to do as much of, of it as we can this season because we're down to 50. We know who they are. Everyone's going to get the same amount of fights. Um, and so hopefully that becomes more and more of a possibility as we get into this new mode. Yeah. But I, that's what I would love to see. That's what we, Trey and I have always wanted that. And I know Aaron's psyched for that too. Yeah, it's definitely content we try to push for at Norwalk a lot. And uh, Yeah, you guys do a great job of that. We've, we've seen the videos and you, you, you totally get into like these packages of, the, of someone, you know, the trials and tribulations of the one part that broke and now you got to fix it. And, yeah, yeah, we've, yeah, there's always funny stories from those events too about that kind yeah. of stuff for sure. All right, yeah. so we've got a really good question from Mike Stropkovic Jr., a.k.a. Mr. Psycho on YouTube. 
uh, go check out his channel if you haven't already. It's awesome. Yes, definitely check out that channel. We love that. Um, so he says, when, I love the way he frames this question. It's like a demanding way to frame this question. So bear with me now. Okay. Uh, when are the kill saws finally going to be controlled by the teams like the pulverizers? I love it. Um, part of the problem was the, in the, uh, here's the issue is that if you, if you activate a kill saw, which is, and a bot hits it perpendicularly, not parallel, but perpendicular, you can crack the shafts underneath the kill saws. Makes perfect sense, yeah. Um, and bot builders, you know, they're not going to be careful enough to do that. So now the, the kill saws are random, and they just poke up really quickly to prevent that kind of breakage on the shafts. So to allow the kill saws to be under uh, control of the builders, they have to be so massively beefed up, we just don't have the time and resources currently. But it's an idea we've had as well, and it would be super fun. Um, it would be something you'd only want to do towards the last you know, minute or 30 seconds of the thing, because those kill saws can do quite a bit of damage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, more stuff we can probably play with in a permanent facility than we could never do because we have to take the arena home. Can I, can I ask you a slightly separate but related question on that? Um, yes. Whenever you hear interviews with builders, literally every single time one of them brings up the sparks and the kill slaw slots, because uh, I guess it changed the geometry of those slots ever so slightly. And a lot of the like designed implements they had for ground game were, were now slipping into it. Um, so did you address that with them beforehand? Like it's, it's interesting to me that it comes up literally every single time. So yeah, you know, the, the, there was a guy in Vegas who pitched us on the idea of adding the sparks and, and it's a great look. It's and awesome. we went, you know, we had lots of meetings about it. We went for it and we did it. And then somewhere along the line, um, they had to be, the slots had to be open so more sparks could fly out more efficiently. And that was insufficiently communicated to builders. And that's bad on us. This season, I have sent photo after photo after photo to the builders group, um, showing them the exact dimensions of what those slots are. And these are the new slots that accommodate the sparks. <laughs> and when I'm there on Wednesday, I got my ruler ready and my iPhone, and I'm going to take a ton of other photos for all these other dimensions that the builders have asked for. Um, so yeah, I mean, lesson learned there. We're we're informing the bot builders of dimensions X, Y, and Z all over the place so they can better build their stuff, not to get stuck, especially in this world where we're not going to unstick you this time. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Oh, I love that. I mean, this is such a like intense sport when you're talking about sending people the exact dimensions of slots. Like, it's great. That's so awesome. Yeah. Okay, so we got a question from uh, Tara Fisher. And this is one that comes up uh, as as one of the moderators on the BattleBots Facebook group. I will say this one comes up every day, multiple times a day. So uh, when is the BattleBots video game finally going to be made? I know we ask you this like every time you're here, but, you know, take that as a sign. I mean, developers bring it on. I mean, we obviously to make a, a, a video game, you need a developer and you need a publisher. Right. Yep. And. And those come in various shapes and sizes. And obviously we would want the, the BattleBots, our hope would be the BattleBots game would be at, at, very, at the very least kind of a Steam, you know, homebrew, but kick-ass version of, of a real video game, right? And then obviously uh, the, the dream would have it be a console game. Um, 
just we just need we need the licensors of the world in terms in the development and product and the producing realms to to say they want to make one because the shelf space there's still a shelf space issue for some of these games and just a bandwidth issue because these things take 18 months to produce and the top developers are are focusing on those marquee games you know grand theft auto call of duty and just all the sequels and it's so hard for a new game to get put out there um, so, you know, what you see a lot from TV shows is mobile game. And it's kind of this cheesy little thing. Yeah. You know, and we don't want, I mean, I, you know, as long as it's non-exclusive, we would do a mobile game. But what we want is the big, you know, everyone wants the dream. You build your bot, pick your parts, sell, buy, sell parts on a virtual marketplace in the game. Yep. Uh, and then go through multiple, you know, fantasy arenas with leagues and standings and the whole deal and you fight, 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 fight. You can buy and sell your robots. Um, all that stuff is available in the, the game we're dreaming of. We just need a developer and a publisher to want to do it with us. So anybody out there, hook, hook, hit us up. We're ready. Man. And we've had, we've had bites and I've got drop boxes full of assets for the people who wanted to do these things, but they just fell through the cracks for whatever reason. Um, so we're still waiting. All right, so I have two deeply philosophical questions for you. Uh, the first one is very silly. The second one is a little serious. So here we go. These are, these are the questions we're going to close out the show with first. Okay. Comes from Ryan Hunter, who asks, uh, he uh, runs Harvester at Norwell Cabot. It's an awesome little bot. Highly recommend checking it out. Um, when the robots eventually turn mm-hmm. and see you mm-hmm. as the head of a gladiatorial fighting ring, mm-hmm. What's your plan? Uh, donuts. <laughs> Who doesn't like donuts? <laughs> it's just going to be. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that they appreciate that I was a, a small part with, you know, the other folks at BattleBots to, to bring them up into this new world of, of fame. And uh, they, you know, just sort of let me slide. Uh, let me be like the Marovingian in the Matrix. Right, I can go to the club and hang out and have some good food and some cocktails and just leave me alone. Right, um, I don't want to be have to go down to you know uh, wherever Neo and and Morpheus were hanging out and be in exile. So that's what I'm hoping for. Perfect. All right. Speaking of the Matrix, let's go ahead and move on to this next very philosophical question from Pearl Gray. Greg, what are your thoughts on human morality? and the upcoming plans to transplant human minds into robotic bodies so we can live, fight, and suffer forever. (laughs) That might be too big for my brain. Um, (laughs) I don't know. You know, I think about that, right? Because like, if you're, if you're have this ability and this Ray Kurzweil to to the singularity, right? Would you want to do that? Would it get boring? I mean, you know, the more, you know, because life is a struggle, right? Life is not about comfort. The more comfortable you get, you wind up getting lazy and then you get unhealthy and then like all these things start piling up on you. And life is about overcoming your obstacles, setting your goals. And, and at, you know, there's some, there's struggles you got to go through. And then that's where the sense of, you know, climbing up and hitting the mountain and planting the flag that is sort of the achievements. You got to go through these trial and tribulations to make life meaningful. Could you do that in a virtual sense? Sure. Would it be as meaningful because it's, you know it's not real? I don't know. Um, 
but I cer- certainly wouldn't want to live in a world where, you know, everything was just taken care of, cared for me because I live in a virtual, perfect, robotic, you know, Shangri-La. I don't think that could ever exist. Um, I think that would not be good. Um, I see it more as something would be fun to do for a weekend. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just put my consciousness into the robot and play around and screw around like a Westworld type situation. Um, but I did, I would not want to do that for a long time. I don't know. It's tough. That's a tough one. There's probably a lot of pros I'm not considering, but I, I really like that. It'll be a fun conversation. We can have at BattleBot seven when you guys all come on. the. I love that. Yes. I, I, I would love to like, uh, experiment with different modes of locomotion for a while. Like, you know, let's just have, have wheels this weekend. No, it'd be fun to fly. It'd be fun to glide. It would be fun. All that stuff would be great. We've all had the flying dreams and how much, how fun that is. Right. Um, I love it. Yeah. 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 Greg, thank you so much for talking with us. Uh, It is always such a pleasure to have you on the show. You always give us so much juicy little news nuggets to chew on. And we really appreciate that as well. Everyone go buy tickets to the live taping of BattleBots October 18th through the 30th in Las Vegas. Please, please, please go buy your tickets now. They're going quickly. And uh, thank you so much, Greg, for being on the show. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're traveling to Singapore, where researchers are testing a robot that's designed to catch you if you fall. How sweet. Accidental falls are unfortunately one of the leading causes of death in people over the age of 65. Um, so this is a this is a major a major issue. Um, the robot, which is named <laughs> Mr. Ba, follows people around the house and springs into action if it seems like they're about to fall. Which how closely does this robot follow well, you? It, it can't <laughs> sprint full speed in from <laughs> the other room and hit you going 65 miles an hour. Yeah, I have I have a lot of questions about how this works uh, in, in practicality, but in a recent test with 29 people, Mr. Ba successfully prevented 100% of attempted falls. So take that life alert. You got some uh, you got some competition on the horizon. Help, I've fallen and a robot hit me going 65 <laughs> miles an hour and destroyed my hip. <laughs> Kyle, Luke, thoughts? Um, I think this is an amazing thing. I, uh, I always form more mobility aids and mobi- mobility products out on the market so people can live their best lives. Um, I think it's awesome. Like what a cool, wholesome and uplifting story. Luke, there's absolutely nothing creepy or weird or horrible about this one. How out of character for you. And I really appreciate that. But listen, uh, I, I think it's just wonderful that all this robotic, uh, you know, technology, is really starting to peak as we uh, enter our middle age, you know, like, yes. uh, so yeah, I'm, I, I, I love it. All right. Just uh, continue to look for geriatric uh, uh, robots from us. Okay. We're, we're becoming the target market. We live in the darkest timeline. So while right now there's a foundation here for a robot that will catch you if you're, if you fall by the time we're 65, there's going to be robots that just go around to make sure that you fall. Uh, and you know, that's not going to be great. I'm I'm looking up pictures of Mr. Ba right now, and I don't really.
really understand it. It if I'm looking at this correctly, it looks like a wheelchair that you're strapped to and it follows behind you. So you can walk freely, but you kind of look like a minotaur or like a centaur <laughs> where like the back half of you is this wheelchair apparatus. Yeah, it almost looks like it could hoist you up over the hedges so that you can spy <laughs> on the neighbors. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. 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 Weird. Weird, but cool. I approve tentatively. Ah, yes. Weird, but cool. The behind the bots motto. <laughs> And that's about it for us today. We want to thank Nicole for doing such an incredible job editing this week's episode. Thank you so much, Nicole. And we'll be back in your feed uh, next week with another mystery guest. Make sure to check out Norwalk Havoc streaming live on Saturday. Check out the Norwalk Havoc YouTube channel. It's going to be a blast. It's going to go a long time. We're going to have a lot of fun. And go buy BattleBots tickets. Bye. 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 There once was a bot who sprung the sea The name of the bot was the Kraken of Teed The lights went up, the buzzer sounds All go, my scaly girl go Soon may the spinnerman come To knock her teeth right from her gums One day when the fighting is done She'll take her teeth and go She'd not been two weeks from shore When out did come her metal jaw The captain called all hands and swore He'd take that spinner in tow <gasps> Soon may the spinner man come To knock her teeth right from her gums One day when the fighting is done She'll take